Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Inquisitive Introvert Podcast. I'm joined today by Pastor Tom Goodlett. Tom, I wanted to invite you on the podcast because I have a million and one questions about faith and about spirituality. And there's some tough questions that I'm looking for answers to. I'm hoping that you can sort of be a guidance to me and to our listeners. My first question is, when did you have your come to Jesus moment? First, I want to just thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm no very excited and happy to be here. And I will try my best to, uh, <laughs> to help out and, and answer as much questions as possible. Come to Jesus moment. Well, I grew up in the church. My father was a pastor. My grandfather was a pastor. And so I grew up in a church learning about Jesus and all that knowledge uh, was accessible to me. But I would say when Jesus actually became real in my life, it was after a period of rebellion. Early on in high school, I kind of fell away from my faith and definitely doubted it. The interesting thing was before that rebellion took place, I actually invited a friend who didn't know Jesus to our church. And he actually gave his life to Jesus, got on fire for Jesus, mm -hmm. and then came back after me. He saw I was falling away and saw the choices I was making and chased after me and tried to win me back into the fold, so to speak, and didn't give up on me. And I would say as a result of his love for me and chasing after me and the prayers of my parents and a couple talks from the, the youth pastor at my church, it was probably a little over a year of rebellion, but I came back. And it was in that moment that Jesus actually did become real to me, that my faith caught fire and I embraced some of the skills and some of the purposes I felt God was pouring into my life at that time, and my faith came alive, and it's been a staple in my life ever since, and it's a staple in the life of, of my own kids uh, today. Oh, wow. Tom, may I ask, what sort of sparked that rebellion? What caused you to sort of step away from Jesus for, for a little bit? The fact that there was a girlfriend, how's that? There, that's what sparks most of our rebellions, significant or somewhat significant other. No, I think I kind of reached that age where all of a sudden somebody took interest in me that wasn't just my mom or dad. And I decided to chase after that and led to a girlfriend, probably wasn't the healthiest situation, and to a set of friends who, who weren't the best influences. The beauty of that is, uh, of course, that didn't work out. The relationship, we broke up at some point, and then the friends I decided not to hang out with because I was getting into trouble with them. But the beauty, though, is that it wasn't too long after that that that, that ex-girlfriend actually gave her life to Jesus and realized, you know, saw a difference in the life I was choosing and new people I was hanging out with, and she decided she wanted that. And somebody else actually was able to lead her to Christ, which is, I'm glad God can often make something useful or beautiful out of our messes, but that's what happened there. Tom, it's, I have so many questions, and I know a okay. lot of people do about faith. One thing that I know a lot of people struggle with, and sometimes, including myself, is forgiveness. How do people learn to forgive? And what does forgiveness mean in the context of faith? Wow, that's a great question, Aaron. For one, I think forgiveness is an ongoing process, if we're honest. For God, who's all-powerful, He's forgiven us, and it's done through Jesus. We are forgiven. However, for us as human beings, I think we struggle with this. And so it becomes a daily process of forgiving. And I think it's worth distinguishing that just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you have to trust them again. Mm -hmm. I think when you're forgiving them, you're letting go of ill will, against them, you're really freeing up your own soul against them, that you're deciding that this is not going to take up any more heart space or soul space. Uh, <laughs> you're deciding you're not going to let the angst you feel ruin your life, and so you're going to let that go. Something that was very helpful for me and still is helpful for me is a wise person once shared with me the idea that there's three kinds of people in the world. There's the wise, there are the foolish, and there's the evil. And the thing about wise people is you can have conversations with them, even where you disagree, 
and you can still agree to disagree. And both of you appreciate the conversation because you realize the growth that comes from it and the value in each other. Then there's the foolish, and you can have a conversation with the fool. They'll just be upset if you disagree with them, uh, and they won't quite get it because they're foolish. And you can rebuke a fool in hopes that they'll become wise. However, most often they will just be upset that you rebuked them and won't quite get it. And at some point, a, a debate or talk or argument or a conversation with a fool, if they don't get it, at some point you become the fool if you keep trying. And mm-hmm. so it's okay to allow them to be foolish. And then there's the evil, and the evil just want to destroy you and the rest of the world. The good news is lunatics never unite, and so you just kind of stay away from them. But I've realized that I can love a foolish person. I can hug a foolish person. I don't have to deem them as wise. That Forgiving them doesn't mean deeming them as wise. Sometimes you forgive someone, you go, you know what? They may never get better than they are now. They may never learn from their mistakes. They may never do this. And I can still love them. I don't have to trust them. I don't have to like what they do. But I do have to let it go and let them be them and not spend my life wishing they would change or wishing I could change them. And if anything, I need to wish the best for them and go on with my life and hopefully be wise, hopefully look for ways to grow in my own walk and grow in the ways God wants me to. And and ultimately, I think God's always trying to make and mold us to be more like Jesus. And if I'm going to be wise, I don't want to get in the way of that. And another thing that I hear a lot of people sort of question about God or faith is, why do bad things happen to good people? It can be the person that always goes to church that diagnosed with a terminal disease. How do we go about reconciling our goodness with illness, if that makes sense? Sure, man. These are some good ones. Uh, I'll try. I'll take a stab in, you know, in the short amount of time we have. And there's a converse to that, too. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? And I think it's honestly the result of God's love that these things happen. We assume pain is bad. And so sometimes we assume that if it's painful, it's somehow a bad thing. And uh, not that any of us like pain, and that we try to avoid pain, but the pain, it changed the world. I mean, Jesus' pain and death on the cross and then his resurrection, I mean, that's what ultimately brings us the joy and then changes the world. And so often it's our pain that refines us, that lets us see what kind of soldier we are when we're in the battle, that usually sets it up for good if we'll allow God to use pain for good. But I don't think... God is pleased that we have pain. In fact, we know he's promised is that there will come a day where those who have sided with God, with Jesus, that pain will no longer have to exist. If we look at it, pain, its ultimate source is separation from God is where it comes from. And so God, from the very beginning, wanted us to be with him, and there was no pain. It was at the moment when God said, you have the choice whether or not you're with me, that pain began to exist. And so While we're on this earth, we have a choice whether or not to be close to God or not. And I know, too, you brought up, well, what about the people who are close to God and still experience pain? And, well, we're still in a world where we're allowed, you know, where separation exists. And God still works through that. And the beauty is that's not the ultimate end of things, that God has provided the end of the story where pain no longer exists for those who are close to God. But in the meantime, it exists. In the meantime, God still loves us and still works through that. And I think, too, if you were to go, well, why does God allow us to mess up this world? I think the alternative, there's not much love in it. In other words, does that mean God takes away our choice and we're robots? Well, then how is that love? And so sometimes we go, how can a loving God allow us to make dumb choices? And it's because God loves us that he allows us to make choices. And he still loves us through them and he still guides us through them and guides us through the pain, much like 
I do with my own children. I love them, so therefore I do not lock them up in their rooms and make all the choices for them. I allow them to have freedom, which makes it only more enjoyable when they love me back and when they make the right choices, knowing that they had the alternative to choose otherwise. That is my short answer right there. But, but I think, if anything, it shows God's love for us, the fact that he gives us freedom, the fact that he doesn't leave us in that pain, and the fact that that is not the ultimate destination for us with him. And another question that I had, Tom, is there's been this rebellion against, I would say, traditional religion. You know, often mm-hmm. you hear people say, I'm spiritual, but not religious. How do you interpret that? And what is the distinction, if there is one? I would say I don't consider myself a very religious person either. I mean, yeah, I carry the title of pastor. And that just really means that I've chosen my life to follow after Jesus and also in my vocation, meaning that I want to help other people follow after Jesus. I think religion gets a bad rap, often because it should, because <laughs> I associate, I know a lot of people do, with religion, with an organization of a faith. And I think when you follow after Jesus, it's not very organized. It's chaotic. It will change your life. It will ruin your life in all the right ways. It's actually an adventure. And I think sometimes we try and box God up and say, well, God always does things this way or always reaches people this way, or this is important to me, therefore it must be important to everyone else. And so we try it. I think religion, honestly, is often an attempt to box the God of the universe up and try and put rules on him that he never placed. And so I get why people will get frustrated because I think while the intentions may be good, often religion is based out of tradition and we can get wrapped up in religion. And I think there's a rebellion against it. It makes sense. I would encourage, would not encourage people to be religious. I would encourage them to chase after Jesus and encounter him because there's nothing you can box up with that. God will show you that he is limitless and he will move in ways beyond what a religion can. That's what I think people are talking about. I think people are realizing the the reality of of trying to organize God and organize Jesus. I definitely (laughs) agree with that, Tom. And one thing that I noticed, just sort of moving on to the Bible, is that a lot of the sayings and phrases that we hear people quote now is rooted in the Bible. Uh, You know, it's just sort of been said a different way to make it, I guess, a little bit more secular and sexy. But a lot of things, this new age spirituality, I think, is rooted in what's already been written. (laughs) We just don't notice it. And one question that I had, Tom, is what is your favorite Bible verse and why? Well, my favorite Bible verse is Mark 10, 27, which Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says they're asking about something in particular. He goes, well, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. And that really goes back to the hugeness of God, the limitlessness of God, and the beauty of God, that we can't box him up. And we can't even box up potential with God that he sees in us. And there are possibilities even within this world that the impossible becomes possible with God. And I like what you said, too, about even whether it's a secular organization or something, you know, we're, we're all quoting the Bible. And I was, yeah. breakfast, I was having breakfast with a friend today, and uh, we were even talking about a podcast that's not necessarily a quote-unquote Christian podcast, yet all their interviews are revealing biblical principles. And that's simply, we were talking about, like, truth is truth. You don't have to do much about that because truth stands. Lies, at some point, they will fall, they will fail. Uh, But truth is truth. And if the Bible's truth, and I believe it is, it will stand. And yeah, whether you give credit back to the Bible or not, when you look at what works in this world, what works in our lives, it definitely goes back to biblical truth and uh, truths that are in the Bible and that are in those verses and whether people realize that's what they are yelling about or, or <laughs> presenting or on fire about. The irony is that people won't know that and think they're speaking out against the Bible. And really, they've just quoted a verse, like you said, and they're, they're chasing after a truth that God has been presenting for us to follow for thousands of years now. And Tom, you actually co-authored a few books. Yes. Is that correct? Oh, that is uh, correct, yeah. 
uh, mentor you and refocus. Mm-hmm. Yes. So feel free to just sort of share what those books are about and how people can buy them. Well, I, as I said before, I, I wouldn't chase after religion. I'd chase after Jesus. And so one of the things I've tried to do as a pastor, but also as a father and as a to my own kids and a friend to others, is try to provide tools for people to use to help grow in the relationship with Jesus, help find out more about him. And so uh, Mentor You is a book that basically it sets up a mentorship relationship. It solves or begins to solve the very first problem that happens in the world. God creates the earth, and after he, everything he creates, he says it is good until he gets to Genesis chapter 2 where he says something is not good. He says it's not good for man to be alone. We were not created to be lonely beings. We were created to need each other, to help each other. We were created for community, and we were created for intimacy even. And so myself and a friend of mine, we created a tool to help people start a mentorship relationship. I mean, Jesus did it. He definitely spoke to the masses, but he spent way more time pouring into a few individuals and they ended up changing the world and definitely influencing the world with what he did to influence them. And so we want to pass that on and make disciples. And so we created a tool called Mentor You. And I'll say again, it's a truth principle, mentorship, companionship, growth, somebody pouring into you with God has poured into them or you pouring into somebody else what's been poured into you. That is a truth that stands whether or not you follow Jesus. And I'd recommend the book either way to help you grow as an individual, to help you seek after truth and to do that. So that's one tool. And the other one is uh, refocus. And basically reading the Bible is tough. I think sometimes we, uh, it can get difficult. And so uh, we basically built a tool to help people read through the Bible at a pace. There's three different plans within the Bible, but it's basically at a pace that fits well for where they are in their journey right now. And just kind of help you. It's a daily read just to help refocus your day. Things get out of hand. Things get distracting. And just to refocus back to that truth, back to the truth that's in the scriptures. There's some thoughts that are written within it, things to consider, some challenges uh, throughout the book. But ultimately, it's just a tool to help you connect to God and connect to those truths and hopefully grow. Grow as a human being. Grow in your relationship with Jesus or grow in your consideration of a relationship with Jesus. Wow. My final question, Tom, is what do you ultimately want people to know about God? It's a wonderful question, Derek. Oh, Um, I think ultimately, I think sometimes we get so complicated with issues and rules and what have you. I think if you just start with Jesus, just start with Jesus and let him lead from there, I think everything else falls into place. God reached out to us and he wanted us to know how much he loved us, how much he wanted us. To be with us. And he did that through by sending his son, Jesus. And if you can just start with Jesus, let all the details, let them hang out unorganized, let them hang out there and let Jesus lead you from there. And that's really what I'd want people to know, whether or not you use a tool to help you get there, whether or not you step foot in a church to see if that can help guide you. But I would just reach out at some level and try and start with Jesus and see where he takes you from there. Great. Thank you so much, Tom. This was very informative and therapeutic <laughs> to some degree. And oh, yes, promise, promise is the last and final question. If people want to know more about you and how to contact you, where should they look? My favorite place right now is LinkedIn. <laughs> you know, I love that form of social media. I still got some room uh, for connections. And so you can always look me up on LinkedIn and throw me one of those connection requests. And my name is Tom Goodlett. That's T O M G O O D L E T. 
If you want more information about MentorU, you can go to uh, mentoru.info, that's M-E-N-T-O-R-U, the letter U, dot info, and find out more information about the book there. You can look up the books on Amazon, make use of that prime shipping. And we got some more books coming out, too, and some more resources to help out in that journey as well. But, yeah, love to connect with people through LinkedIn or check out the website. And either way, hope to hear and meet some new friends. Great. Well, thank you so much, Tom. Like I said, this has been great, and I look forward to more of your work for sure. Oh, thank you. And thank you again for having me.